Good morning, everybody on site and online, and a very warm welcome to Worship at Hillhead. I think you can tell we're on another bank holiday weekend and a lot of people taking advantage of the opportunity to get away and do something fun and refreshing, which is great. Today, we will hear a number of voices as well as myself. Graham E. will be leading us in the Lord's Prayer. Elizabeth will be reading scripture for us. In theory, Rachel is doing our prayers for others, but it might be a a late stand-in by me. We will see how that goes. Uh, Our musicians are Paul F. and Yang Yang, both on keyboard. And shortly, Freya and Sarah online, with a bit of help from Rory on site, will be lighting candles for us. Just a reminder, please, to complete and return the consent forms for GDPR if you haven't already done so. I'm really pleased to say about half of the church have already done this, which is brilliant because we're nowhere near our cut-off date. But if you want us to be able to keep in touch with you at all, you need to complete these and get them back to me, either printed or emailed or whatever. And if there's a problem, just get in touch with me and we'll see what we can sort out. But yeah, once we've got that up-to-date list, that will be it. If you're not on the list, we will not be able to contact you because GDPR means we have no right to hold your data. So blame the law, don't blame me. Uh, But seriously, we're getting there, so just a reminder, if you haven't already done so, to do so. The last of our focus groups will be taking place this week, um, and the one for the out there ideas. I'm waiting for final um, instructions from Francis, but I will be sending you a Zoom link for that one um, in plenty of time for that to take place. I'm conscious that Francis has got two groups next week now, so uh, she's got a lot on to do. In family news, just to let you know that Alan Boswell is now looking at long-term options that will see him moving on from the Oakbridge care home. So please do check with Margaret before going off to try and visit Alan because you might find he's gone out to look at somewhere else or you might find he's moved and that would be not great for anybody. But also just to keep Alan and his family in your thoughts. We continue to keep Barbara and her family in our thoughts and prayers and also Hannah, Tamara and their boys. Next Sunday it will be me again, um, but now it is time for Freya, Sarah and a little bit of help from Rory to light our candles. Thank you. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
So we're going to come now to God in prayer. I will lead us in a very short prayer and then Graham will lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray together. God of all life, as we gather this morning, help us to discover again how you are present within us and among us. We thank you for each other, for the glimpses of your image that we embody in our diversity and in our unity. We thank you for the stories recorded in the scriptures, some comfortable and encouraging, and others discomforting and challenging. In this time of worship, as we share in praise, in prayer, in the making of promises and the sharing of communion, may we each find something to carry with us into the days ahead. For we offer our prayers, and with them ourselves, in the name of Christ. Amen. We are invited, in our own preferred language and form, to join together in the Lord's Prayer. I'll be praying in English. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for evermore. Amen.
Laura, would you like to come and join me? Because today is a very special day in the life of our church here at Hillhead. We are going to welcome Laura officially into covenanted membership with us. There were a lot of fancy promises made yesterday. We're making not quite so fancy, but probably more meaningful ones today. Oh, did I say that? My apologies. In the name of our loving God, it is our joy to welcome Laura into the membership of this church. She has been a disciple of Jesus for many years and comes to us with the warm commendation of Kirkintilloch Baptist Church, where she was previously a member. Laura is committed to serving God in this community. Today we acknowledge that and thank God for that commitment. And so I'm going to ask Laura some questions. Laura, do you believe in one God? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, your creator and redeemer and the sustainer of all things. I do. This is a God in whom I trust. Do you believe that God has led you to share in the worship, life, and witness of this local congregation? I do, and I thank God for the gift of fellowship. Will you share with us the gifts God has given you that, together, we may serve God in our local community and in the wider world. I will. All I have is given by God. As Baptist Christians, we covenant together as a community of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Baptised into his name, we share the joys and responsibilities of fellowship. We gather for worship and to discern the mind of Christ. Together, we seek the kingdom of God through prayer, witness and service. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to build up one another in love. Will you share with us in this common life and service? And will you walk together with us before God in ways that are known and yet to be made known? I will. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Laura. Now, if this is your regular place of worship, and if you are on site and able to, um, I would invite you to stand if you're not able to stand, um, you can always just hold, maybe reach out with a hand. We'll go all charismatic for once in our hillhead lives. If you're online, I'm not going to ask you to stand because that would just be plain daft, but touch the screen. <laughs> uh, just reach out a hand if you're comfortable to do that. If this is your regular place of worship online, to just reach out a hand as a sign of your support for Laura as we make our promises, which are on your service sheets, um, hopefully, if you can't remember, just say we do and we will. It's fairly straightforward. Do you welcome Laura into the fellowship of this worshipping community? We do. do. This is our joy and our calling. God has given us the gift of Laura and through her has given us gifts for ministry in the life and witness of this congregation. Will you support her in Christian service and in the responsibilities of church membership? Will you pray for and encourage her through hospitality, friendship, and prayer? Thank you. You may sit down if you're on site and put your hands down if you're elsewhere. And I'm going to invite Addy on behalf of the trustees to welcome Laura into our church. Welcome to Ile Baptist Church membership. Thank you. 
Teach us to number our days That we may apply our hearts to your ways Oh, teach us to number our days Wisdom and grace, wisdom and grace Wisdom and grace, wisdom and grace Our Bible readings this morning are from Genesis 12, verses 1 to 7 and then chapter 18, 1 to 18. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country and your people, leave your father's family and go to the country that I will show you. I will build a great nation from you. I will bless you and make your name famous. People will use your name to bless other people. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. I will use you to bless all the people on earth. So Abram left Haran, just like the Lord said, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the slaves and all the other things he had gotten in Haran. Then he and his group moved to the land of Canaan. Later, the Lord again appeared to Abraham near the oak tree of Mamre. It was the hottest part of the day, and Abraham was sitting at the door of his tent. He looked up and saw three men standing in front of him. When he saw the men, he ran to them and bowed before them. Abraham said, Sirs, please stay a while with me, your servant. I will bring some water to wash your feet. You can rest under the trees. I will get some food for you and you can eat as much as you want. Then you can continue your journey. The three men said, do as you wish. Abraham hurried to the tent. He said to Sarah, quickly, prepare enough flour for three loaves of bread. Then Abraham ran to his cattle. He took his best young calf and gave it to the servant there. He told the servant to quickly kill the calf and prepare it for food. Abraham brought the meat and some milk and cheese and set them down in front of the three men. Then he stood near the men, ready to serve them while they sat under the tree and ate. Then the men said to Abraham, where is your wife, Sarah? Abraham said, she is there in the tent. Then one of them said, I will come again in the spring. At that time, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent and heard these things. Abraham and Sarah were very old. Sarah was past the right age for women to have children. So she laughed to herself and said, I am old and my husband is old. I am too old to have a baby. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Sarah laughed and said she was too old to have a baby. But is anything too hard for the Lord? I will come again in the spring, just as I said I would, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah said, and I didn't laugh. She said this because she was afraid. Then the Lord said, no, I know that is not true. You did laugh. Then the men got up to leave. 
they looked towards Sodom and began walking in that direction. Abraham walked with them to send them on their way. The Lord said to himself, should I tell Abraham what I am going to do now? Abraham will become a great and powerful nation and all the nations on earth will be blessed because of him. I have made a special agreement with him. I did this so that he would command his children and his descendants to live the way the Lord wants them to. I did this so that they would live right and be fair. Then I, the Lord, can give him what I promised. Thanks be to God. Today we are beginning a three-week series of services under the title, People of the Promise. We come together just as we are, a hugely diverse group of people, each one of us in some way drawn to the story of Jesus, and who want to allow that story to shape our thinking and our living. Over the years that we have travelled together, and I realise this week it is now 14 years since those first tentative conversations, we've shared all sorts of highs and lows. We have faced many challenges and we have adapted to countless changes. It's probably fair to say that the last three or four years since the beginning of the pandemic have seen an escalation of the challenges and changes. We've had to adapt to new technology. We have had to say farewell to people right at the heart of our community. We've celebrated baptisms. We've had people choose to covenant with us in membership. We have celebrated academic and professional achievements. Children have been born and much, much more. Now we are in something of a liminal season, a time of reflection and exploration, seeking to discern together what the next chapter of the story of Hillhead Baptist Church might be. What might God be saying to us and how might that be expressed? On the one hand, that's really exciting. And on the other, it is decidedly scary because it means stepping out in faith and trusting that, with God's guidance, 
it won't just be okay. Actually, it'll be really good. That Hillhead Baptist Church and everyone who is part of it won't just survive and not just thrive, but in fact will flourish. The story of Abram and Sarai, or Abraham and Sarah, as they came to be renamed, is well known to many, if not most, or all of us. It's a story treasured by people of all three Abrahamic faiths, Jews, Christians, and Muslims. And it is a story of very real human people who loved God, who tried to live God's way, and frankly, who messed up big time along the way. Being an ancient story, we need to be a little bit careful with the numbers that are used. Are they literal or are they figurative? But also to be aware that this is a culture in which people were revered for the wisdom that comes with age and experience. Even as their bodies aged, and their remaining life expectancy was probably relatively short, Abraham or Abram and Sarai would have been respected. And we're told that Abram was already well into his 70s when the story begins. We can also deduce from what we heard read for us that he and Sarai were people of considerable means. They not only had possessions and livestock, They had in their care a grown-up nephew called Lot and a number of slaves. This isn't the time to talk about the owning of slaves, but in their culture, that was how things were, and it was a sign of wealth. So Abram was very successful by his own standards, which he understood, except for one thing. He didn't have an heir to succeed him. So he could have just thought, well, do you know what? I'll just live out my life where I am. Maybe I'll train up Lot to take over the business when I'm gone. But actually, we'll just live out our remaining years here. It's quite good. But that isn't what happened. It isn't what happened because Abram was a man who took his faith very seriously and was open to the possibility that he might just hear God's voice. And as we hear it in the Genesis account, it seems incredibly straightforward. God speaks, Abram hears, they pack up, and off they go. Was it really that simple? I wonder how the conversation went around the dinner table. They didn't have a dinner table, but whatever. As as Abram and Sarai had their dinner that night, I wonder how the conversation went. Mm, Sarai? Yes, dear? Um, Sarai, how would you feel about moving? Moving? Not nearer to the in-laws. Maybe that nice place down by the river? What do you mean you don't know where? God just said, go. Oh, and Sarai. Uh, Yes, Abram. Um, God's made us a promise. 
that we will be the founders of a great nation, that we'll be famous, that people will talk about us for generations to come. Really? I mean, it all sounds pretty crazy to me. Well, what do you think, Abram? They talk and wonder and dream and pray. And then they pack and they set off, not quite sure where or why or even how. But they go anyway. They choose to trust God. They get, first of all, to Canaan and then on to the Negev before reaching Egypt. And this is where things start to go awry because Abram tries to pass off Sarai as his sister to keep himself safe from these people. A little bit later on, Lot parts company with them. He decides he wants to go and do his own thing, so they agree that, and then that all goes belly up, and he has to be rescued from a bitter war situation. Years carry on passing by. Abram is older, and fearing he will have no heir, that actually all he has won't pass on just to Lot, but actually will pass on to one of the servants. And then he has another encounter with God. For those who like chapter and verse, and I know a few of you do, Genesis 15, verse 18, God makes the covenant promise with him about uh, descendants that outnumber the stars and the sand. But Sarai and Abram take things into their own hands about this because they're too old to have children. So Hagar, an Egyptian servant, is given to Abram to carry a child. We're told that Abram is 86 when Hagar's son is born. So it's a long time since they set out on that journey. But things are not happy. As soon as the pregnancy is confirmed, Sarai becomes resentful. And this situation will rumble on for many long years as she becomes increasingly bitter while the baby grows into boyhood and then into adolescence. They set out in faith to follow God's call and still, all these years later, there is no sign of how God's promise might find fulfilment. They're weary. Family life is unhappy and time is slipping away. Hagar's son is almost grown up and Sarai is not only childless, she is well and truly postmenopausal. This is just not going to happen. And then Abram has another encounter with God. And there is a new covenant of circumcision. But also God says to Abram, you'll have a son by Sarai. Abram laughs. Again, for those who want chapter and verse, that's Genesis 17, verse 17. He laughs because it is utterly ridiculous. Maybe Ishmael, who is now 13 years of age, interesting age because that would later become the age for Bar Mitzvah, maybe Ishmael could be named as his heir. 
but God just restates this ridiculous promise. Sarai will have a son, and she is to name that son Isaac. Isaac, which means he laughs. And I'm curious, does that mean that Isaac is a laughing boy, a happy, cheerful baby? Or is it because Abram laughed? And actually, God didn't fail to notice that he laughed. We don't know. Ishmael, too, will be blessed and become the father of a great nation. But it is Isaac who will become the son of the promise. So, as commanded by God, Abraham, as he has now been renamed, who is 99 years old, in other words, extremely old, and Ishmael, who is 13, nearly grown up, are circumcised along with every other male in the household. And life carries on. From the beginning of the story to the mysterious encounter at Mamre, which was a longer part of what Elizabeth read for her, around about 25 years have gone by. It's just a few pages in our scriptures, but it's 25 years if you look at the ages that are quoted. It's the middle of the day, and a very elderly Abraham is sitting outside the entrance of his tent watching the world go by. And then he spots three strangers. Now, this is a mysterious story. Who or what they are, nobody really knows. And the language is decidedly ambiguous because sudden one moment they're angels, the next moment God is speaking, and we're never quite sure who's who. But these three strange visitors arrive and Abraham offers them a kind of slow, generous hospitality. He orders Sarah to make bread. He chooses a fine calf, which is slaughtered, butchered and cooked. Milk and cheese are to be brought out. This will take hours and hours to do. Eventually, though, the food is ready And Abraham serves his guests and he stands nearby under a tree while they eat. And as they eat, they say, where's your wife? And Abraham answers that she's in the tent. And I wonder what he thought when they asked that question. Was the bread okay? Was it baked properly? Was there enough food? Do they want something else or need something else? And to his surprise, and this is where it gets particularly complicated, because was it God or was it one of the visitors we don't know, says, Sarah is going to have a son. But next time I come back next year, she will have a son. And hidden inside the tent, Sarah laughs. I mean, it's ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. And Elizabeth, you caught that really nicely for us um, when you read that. After all that she's been through, after all this time, utterly ridiculous. And then she's called out. She's caught out. They've heard her. And she denies laughing. No, I didn't, she says. And I love that detail because it is so very real and human. No doubt sorry, to doubt and to question, is very honest. Her doubting this, her her questioning it, is very real. She's held on to hope for years and years and years. And what for, frankly? How can she not laugh at what she hears? Now, if you want something to take away and think about that has nothing to do with what I'm saying, 
why is Sarah challenged for laughing and Abraham wasn't? Because that ain't fair. But that's not what I'm talking about today. So just take, park that one and take it with you. But they've had this encounter. Abraham sees the men off. He walks with them, if you like, to the corner of the street and off they go. And he and Sarah sit alone at the entrance of the tent as the sun goes down at the end of a very strange day. And I wonder how their conversation went. Um, Sarah? Yes, dear? Um, why did you laugh like that? Laugh? After all these years? After all the times I dared to hope? After all that we've been through? After all those months after months of hoping and then nothing? Well, frankly, just be grateful that's all I did, because trust me, it could have been a lot worse. Sarah? Yes, Abraham? Sarah, all these years, through it all, God has kept on reminding us of that promise that we will be the founders of a great nation. I know. I know. And it always seemed pretty crazy, frankly. And now? What do you think, dear? Might it be possible? They talk. They wonder. They dream and they pray. He slips his arm around her and they go inside, closing the door of the tent. As darkness descends, a faint sound of laughter catches on the night air. Two old people, wounded by life yet daring to dream. They choose to trust God. So what about us? What, if anything, from this story resonates with our stories and our story? Where do we locate ourselves? Does it feel like we're at the start of an adventure with hopes and dreams? Or does it feel like we're plodding along somewhere in the middle, getting by, doing our best, still hopeful, but that hope is very much tempered by experience. Are we laughing at the impossibility of it all? We are worn down, we are worn out, and actually questioning, has it all been worth it? Perhaps we're somewhere else entirely. Today we rejoice, and I do think we rejoice, that Laura has felt led by God to throw in her lot with Hillhead Baptist Church. Today we give thanks for all those who for 140 years have maintained a faithful witness in this part of Glasgow, holding on to hope, even in times of disappointment and disillusionment. Because they, like we, Dare to trust the promises of God.
So we're going to come now to God with our prayers for others and for each other. And so I'm doing my Rachel impression. It won't be as good as Rachel, but it will, it will have to do. Let's come to God to pray. To pray as siblings in Christ. To pray as friends. To pray as companions on a journey to pray as those who have put their hope and trust in God and yet who, because we are real and human, are often beset by questions and doubts, experience disappointment and disillusionment, can be hurt and can hurt others. So we come as part of a wounded, broken and disordered world, seeking the hope and healing, refreshment and renewal that only God can give. And we start where we are. And I invite you just to take a few moments of silence to bring to God the things that are on your heart questions, fears, joys, whatever they may be. <laughs> Today we pray for Laura, giving thanks for all, all that she is and all that she has yet to become 
We pray that as she becomes more fully part of our community here, you will bless her. We pray for her family too. That they will find welcome and acceptance and love among us, just as they are. We pray for Tamara and Hannah, facing the challenges of a very young family when there is so much going on for them. We pray for Alan and for his sons and wider family as they discern together where he should now live. We pray for Barbara, adjusting to a new chapter in her life and for her wider family, that you will comfort each of them and help them to support one another in these days. As we continue our process of discernment, we pray for Francis, our facilitator, that you continue to strengthen and empower her as the wise, caring and thoughtful person we know her to be. This weekend, as our television screens have been filled with major public events that are challenging and complicated to reflect upon, we do pray for King Charles, aware of the promises he made, that you would enable him to keep those promises. We pray for all the faith leaders who were there yesterday, that they will be empowered and enabled to be people of peace and love amongst those they serve. We pray for all heads of state and politicians who were in that ceremony, that something they heard will be carried away with them about justice, truth, peace, integrity or service. We pray for the Scottish First Minister and we pray for the Prime Minister that you would give these men wisdom and compassion and integrity. We pray for the work of the Baptist Union of Scotland. And even though we don't have names to name this week, we know that you know the churches and the work they seek to do in your service. Bless and encourage them. May they be salt and light to the communities they serve. And likewise, BMS World Mission in so many places and in so many ways, standing up for justice and truth and peace, seeking to advocate for those on the margins and those in poverty. Give them great wisdom, compassion and love.
But it's much wider, Lord, than our church or our faith or our nation. It is a whole world. And so now we are invited, if we so wish, to name aloud places or situations close to our own hearts that we would like to bring to God. Bring to God the nation of Iran. So loving God, you have heard the thoughts of our minds and the feelings of our hearts and we ask you to accept them for we offer them to you as our prayers and we pray that you would help us to have the courage to live out those things that we have prayed in the name of Christ. Amen. do a bit of uh, jiggery pokery this morning. I'm going to show you, first of all, some images. And I'm going to start with one which is very famous, the Rublev icon. An image which is much loved and much interpreted. Are they angels? Or is it an image of the Trinity? And the figures are androgynous. Are they male or female? Or are they something else? Are they beyond gender and sex and description? 
This is a image, an image, an icon that is inspired by the story of Abraham and Sarah at Mamre. I'm going to show you some more images, the first three which were created by an artist called Meg Rowe. And this first one appears in St Luke's Church, West Holloway in London. And she created it for a local Christian community of predominantly black people. A community that commented that all the images of angels they ever saw were white and probably with blonde hair and blue eyes. And so she invited three local people who were part of that community to model for her icon. Sorry, I've used this before and I realise I've left the timings in, which is why it's jumping around. This one was commissioned by Southwark Cathedral, also in London, for the 70th anniversary of the Windrush um, influx of people who were invited to come to this country. And in the corner, on the top right, you can see the Windrush ship. And again, those who she has included are local people. And three words we use to describe this one, history, story, and legacy. Oops, sorry, this third picture is in Iona Abbey. And we have Dora in the centre, who is a volunteer from Uganda. On the left, Indigit, who is a Methodist minister from Sheffield. And on the right, Maya, who was a student from Glasgow. This is about celebrating some of the diversity and inclusivity of that place. The last image is at Holyrood House in Thirst, the place I went on retreat quite recently, and it was created by the Reverend Andrew de Smet. And he has included some additional symbols. He has Abraham and Sarah at the back, each holding what look like bowls in their hand, bowls or cups in their hand. And on the table, he has communion elements, some bread and some wine. And so my question for us to ponder is what do we think communion is? It is something mysterious. It's about remembering or remembering, putting things together. Perhaps it is also an enacted icon. It's a simple story. A story of friends gathered around a table in a borrowed room. A story of people bruised and broken by life. A story of just before betrayal, just before falling asleep in prayer, just before denial, just before death and grief and loss. It's a simple story of people who shared life together, of excitement and wonder, 
of adventure and delight, of disappointment and disillusionment, of quarrels and misunderstandings, of questions and insights, of certainty and doubt, of life in all its fullness. And it is our story too. The story that draws us together, here and now, just as we are. To share the memories and to remember the reason for our hope. So let us listen to the words of one of the earliest followers of Jesus as recorded in scripture. I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let us follow the example of Jesus and give thanks. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for the stories in the scriptures, for those we treasure and enjoy, for those that challenge our understanding, for those in which we find ourselves in others. Thank you for the stories of Abraham and Sarah. Thank you for the stories of Jesus and especially thank you for the story we remember now. For bread broken and wine outpoured. For companions on the journey of life. For the hope we have in you we give you thanks. Amen. So Jesus took the bread, broke it, and shared it with his friends. And we are invited, and it is a genuine open invitation to all who so wish, to take some bread and to eat it as we receive. If you'd rather not receive, that is absolutely fine too. At the end of the meal, Jesus took a cup of wine. And he said, this symbolises the new covenant that I am making or rather that really God is making with all creation. When you drink wine, remember me. And we are invited to retain our glasses that we might drink together as a further symbol of our unity in diversity. One bread, one body, 
one people of God. Let us drink to remember and to rededicate ourselves to do our best to walk in the steps of Jesus. For the mystery of our triune God, for the simplicity of bread and wine, for life and hope and love, Christ's holy name be praised. Amen. from here to continue our everyday lives. May we know the accompaniment of the God of Abraham and Sarah. May we be surprised by joy, empowered by faith and embraced by love now and always. Amen. <laughs>